What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, doing great, Brooks. Doing great, man. I can't. It's it's July, and uh, you know what that means? That means there's football this month, man. I just can't I was wait. About to say, man, we are creeping ever so closely to the start of training camps and the start of football, man. I mean, college football this year starts in the month of August. Uh, I know wow. it's the back end of August, but nonetheless, uh, it's the very last weekend of August. We are going to get college football, so we are indeed. Less than, you know, a little bit over a month away uh, from the football festivities beginning again, man. But here we are sitting in the dog days of July, July 4th coming up. Uh, So those of you making your trips to see, uh, you know, whoever you're going to see on this holiday weekend, we hope you have safe travels and obviously listen to us over here on the NFL Mocks podcast. And enjoy your short week of work. I know I will, Sarah. Are you pumped for the July 4th weekend, my man? I am. I am really pumped for it, especially because Stranger Things is back, man. I've been waiting uh, a year and a half, or more than that, actually. Like, boy, they usually come out in in the month, like October or something like that. So, yeah, man, I've been waiting a long time for this this, uh, season three of Stranger Things, and I just can't wait, man. So I'm not really a big fireworks guy, actually. I mean, crazy enough, I'm not really a big fireworks guy, but I'll grill out and watch Stranger Things, man. That's that's my 4th of July right there. Grill out and watch Stranger Things on Netflix. It's going to be an interesting week, <laughs> uh, it sounds like, for Sarah Bettinger. I was, uh, my fiance and I were one of those, you know, sets of weird people that binge-watched the entire season two in one sitting. Mm. So you can call us insane 
do whatever you want. But, you know, eight episodes, 45 minutes apiece, spent a Sunday on it, knocked it out. Um, you know, I think that's the preferred method of watching those types <laughs> of things, uh, those short series, at least for me, on Netflix. But, uh, you know, that's enough of Stranger Things talk. Uh, let's get into tonight's show. We've got a great one for you guys planned. As always, we're going to kick off our divisional preview sh- uh, shows uh, tonight. We're going to start with the NFC East. We're going to spend an episode uh, you know, on each division throughout the NFL. So, uh, obviously, like I said, we're going to start in the NFC East and work our way throughout all the divisions. So, we'll give you an in-depth breakdown. We'll do our what we call our superlatives here on the NFL Mocks Podcast. We'll give you who we think, uh, Sarah and I both, the best roster is, the best young trio, 26 years of age or younger, uh, best offense, best defense, and, of course, the most important uh, position. We'll choose the best quarterback in each division, kind of compare them up uh, and pick them. And then at the very end of the show, we're going to give our NFC East prediction. Uh, we'll kind of lay this out for every division the same way. So like I said, we'll do all our superlatives, and then we'll make our bold and cold predictions at the very end. Sarah, man, I'm pumped for this preview show, man, because when we start doing preview episodes, I know, like I said, we're getting much, much closer to the NFL season. Are you excited, my man? Oh, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think, too, for for fans of, of other teams who don't play in the NFC East, this is a good opportunity for you. I mean, everybody loves water cooler talk, right? I mean, you've got friends who have teams who are in the NFC. Everybody knows a Cowboys fan. Come on now. So you want to be educated on these teams. You want to be educated going into your fantasy drafts. So even if you're not a fan of the NFC East, hey, you might learn something here. You might learn something that, that's valuable information for you to take to your water cooler talk or to take to your fantasy drafts or just in general to know about the things that are going on around the league. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the NFL this year, and the NFC East is always, always, always full of drama. So, man, I'm pumped. Let's do this. Hey, man, and let's let's say you're a team or you're, you're one of your teams is in the NFC North or the AFC East. Well, guess what? All of these NFC East teams will be playing those teams in the crossover. So if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, all of these teams will be playing uh, the Minnesota Vikings at some point. If you're a New England Patriots fan, these teams will be playing you as well. So, uh, you know, crossover is fun in the NFL. Uh, Schedules are pretty consistent for divisional opponents, uh, and that's kind of a good thing. So even if you're not, like we said, an NFC East fan, you don't have to tune us off. Like Sarah says, you always need more education and like I said, man, some of your teams might be facing the Dallas Cowboys this year. They might be facing the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Uh, and this would be the episode you need to listen to to get all you need to know about those football teams. But let's start here, Sarah, with the best roster. I know it's kind of the biggest of the categories here because uh, we just are talking Jimmys and Joes. Yep. My favorite thing to do here on the NFL Mocks podcast. Uh, but we'll start with you, man. Who do you think the best roster is? Uh, in the NFC East, and unlike most shows, we didn't. I didn't give you my takes before this one, so we might have a couple of the same ones, mm. uh, but we can chat it out. Go ahead, my man. I like it. I like it. A little bit of mystery here. Gosh, this was actually a tough, a tough call between two of the teams, and I think everybody two man race, right? Yep, yeah, two that's man what race. I was about to say. Yeah, I really think so. But I'm going to go against what I would normally do here. I'm not going to be petty and pick against the Dallas Cowboys. I really think that the Cowboys have the best overall roster in this division. And I'll, I'll just give you a, a few highlights from top to bottom. I think the Cowboys put together a really, really good set of offensive skill players over the last couple of years. I mean, you obviously look, the highlight is the Amari Cooper trade, right? I mean, that's the big move that really put Dak Prescott over that. He was kind of, he was kind of in a funk 
after his big rookie season. Kind of seemed like he was in a, a funk his whole sophomore year and then up until the point that they acquired Cooper. And then you finally realize, wow, this guy's a pretty good quarterback when he's got a good receiver out there. And so not only did they pick up Amari Cooper in a trade, but I think they did such a good job of getting Michael Gallup in the third the third round last year. He was such a good deep threat for them. And then they go out this offseason, and I, I tweeted this a, a week or two ago. I don't remember how long ago it was, but I forgot completely that the Dallas Cowboys got Randall Cobb. I had I, I just totally spaced on that move. I mean, I, I remember it happening, and I was like, wow, that's an interesting one. But nobody talks about it because you got all these players that are coming up on expiring contracts. And so, I don't know, I think that's a really interesting fit because they lost Cole Beasley to the to Buffalo Bills. But obviously, they've got great weaponry. Jason Witten comes out of retirement to play the tight end position, which was a huge weakness for them prior to his coming back. They've got a really good offensive line, as always, headlined by Tyron Smith. Hopefully, Travis Frederick can get back for them, man. That's a big question mark i think and then i've heard he's i've heard he's close to fully healthy good there. I think good they've got good reports coming out of dallas yeah man a real scary thing he had going on last year uh kind of like an uh, an unknown illness or something he had mm. going on um so it's good to see yeah one of the one of the nfl's best centers uh you know me i love center play mm. uh, seeing him back in that lineup is always great, but yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point to make, and thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's that's huge for them because he was such a big piece of that team for the last few years, and so getting him back is huge. But defensively, I mean, you just look up and down the line. This team's got – I think Philadelphia has probably got the better overall front seven. I think Dallas is kind of playing a little bit of catch-up. We saw the trade for Robert Quinn with the Miami Dolphins this year. They drafted Taco Charlton a couple years ago. Will he step up into that role they think he can play? Demarcus Lawrence comes back with the big contract, and I think they've got some really interesting interior guys. And like we talked about on a previous podcast, if you go back and look at the defense impact rookies show I think Tristan Hill has a chance to make a big impact in this defense with so many good players around him he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups on the inside I think and he's going to do a good job with those playing that three technique or even sliding over and, and playing a little nose tackle if Rod Marinelli asked him to do that but I think the the hallmark of this defense going forward is that inside linebacker spot with Leighton Van Der Esch, the stud rookie from last year, and then Jalen Smith, who has been playing exceptionally well after that really scary knee injury he suffered while he was still at Notre Dame. But and then obviously the Cowboys have one of the one of the better, more underrated secondary players in the league in Byron Jones, the guy who can play corner. He can shut people down out there. He can play safety. He can kind of do it all. So man, from top to bottom, this roster just looks complete. Probably the most talented roster the Cowboys have had since their glory days in the 90s. And I can I say that with they had some pretty good teams in the early to mid-2000s too with Tony Romo at the QB. But I think this is the best team that they've had since their glory days. And uh, fans are rightly excited. Yeah, a really young football team in Dallas as well um, was going through, you know, stuff for the 26 and under category and just kept running across younger and younger athletes uh, across that roster. So good things to come definitely in Dallas. But, man, for me, I think it's got to be Philadelphia. You know, we talk constantly uh, about their offensive line here on the NFL Mox podcast. It seems like they're a weekly uh, occurrence here on, on this show for us, just ranting and raving about the depth there uh, and, and just the talent across the board in general. So our audience already knows, you know, that we think extremely highly of that unit. Um, and then you get into the skill positions, man, which is where I really think they separate – uh, from your choice, the Dallas Cowboys, 
who would be my silver medalist, like we said, a two-man race here. Um, you know, I don't really like the, the skill positions as much as you do. I, I am pretty sold on Amari Cooper. We know what he is at this point. But Randall Cobb, is that an upgrade at this point from Cole Beasley last year? I would say probably lean towards the, you know, the determination of no. We saw what he was the last couple of seasons, and that's with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Uh, he's definitely taking a step down there uh, just in terms of quarterback play, I would assume, coming to Dallas. Now, he may get a more of a target share, but that's a whole other argument for a whole other show. Um, Michael Gallup, we'll kind of see what the development there is in year two, but I think we had you know a 700 or so yard season last year as a, as a rookie. So, Definitely some upside there. The Jason Witten thing, yeah, you add things into your locker room uh, in terms of leadership capabilities, but he was in the Monday night booth for a reason, in my opinion. A, because that job was open and he was, you know, the head of the list and those jobs don't come open very often, so I don't blame him there. Um, but I, I think the tight end position is still definitely an issue there uh, in Dallas. And in terms of their defense, you know, I'm all in love with that defense, but I just think Philadelphia's got way more weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and it's more of an offensive argument to me. Um, you mentioned Byron Jones, man. Moving him back to cornerback uh, was a godsend for that defense in Dallas. Uh, he's one of the best corners in football, I believe, super long uh, and gives wide receivers problems with his physicality. But overall, I, like I said, I just think it goes to Philly. Uh, they signed Zach Brown this offseason, and, yes, he'll be a 30-year-old linebacker uh, this season, but he's a solid addition uh, to an otherwise error-free defense uh, defensive roster, in my opinion, there uh, in Philadelphia as well. So we've got a little bit of disagreement here on the podcast. It's uh, all right. In the best roster category. I'll keep my mouth running here with the best young trio. Yeah. I'm going to go with Dallas, man. And like I said, it's a really, really young roster. Uh, and you could really pick a whole bunch of guys here. Uh, you know, I gave four names instead of the three. But if I had to pick the three, I would go Zeke Elliott, who's 23 years old, Dak Prescott, who's going to turn 25 this football season, Leighton Vander Esch, who's 23 years old right now, and then, of course, Amari Cooper, who, you know, people fail to remember, that guy's only 25 years old too. So, uh, you know, really young core mm -hmm. there in Dallas, uh, and you can even talk about Jalen Smith in that role as well. So I know we only picked three, best young trio. If I had to pick, I would probably go Zeke, Dak, uh, and Vander Esch because, you know, I like to eat a little humble pie here on the NFL Mox podcast, and though my draft opinions weren't necessarily he or heard last season, you know I dogged the Valentin Vanderash pick, Sarah. I don't know how about uh, you know how you were about him coming out of Boise State. What mm -hmm. was your draft? Uh, analysis for Leighton Vanderesh, my man. Gosh, I really liked him a lot, and I know the Broncos were considering taking him, so he was a guy that I I really was high on. Just love his range and his size. Kind of reminded me of a, of a young Erlocker. Not that I was like you know super scout back then, but I remember watching Erlocker play in his prime, and I felt like if Vanderesh could reach his peak, he could maybe become a player like that. So I was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I liked him. I didn't I, I didn't see him becoming what he did. That's for sure. My major concern, Sarah, was the medical issues because we were talking about a spine um, and a neck issue, and, and that always terrifies me, mm -hmm. especially when we're talking about linebackers, man. These guys are going to get paid to hit uh, and hit for a long time. So that's my best young trio. Who's your best young trio in the NFC East, sir? Gosh, man, I, I was going to actually pick the exact same trio that you picked, but because, I, because as you were talking – uh, I, I heard where you're going with that. I kind of went a different direction. And I think, too, kind of just to open our eyes to something else in this division, I want to pick a trio that's probably 
it might not be the best trio in the division, but man, this is a really good one. And I think this is one that, that Washington Redskins fans should be very excited about their last three or three of their, three of their last, I don't know how many first round picks they've had in the last few drafts, but I know they had two this year. So one of them, Montez Sweat, and then, so he's an unproven, but I think then you got two guys, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne on the inside of that defensive line. Those guys are good, man. I want to give you a couple. I'm going to hit you with some stats right here. Deron Payne last year, first round pick for the Washington Redskins, one of their Alabama boys, 34 stops in the run game, according to Pro Football Focus, 27 pressures on the QB, five sacks. And at the same time, you got Jonathan Allen going for 29 runs, uh, run stops, 36 pressures on the QB, and eight sacks. So you got those guys coming from the interior of that defensive line. And now you got Montez Sweat bringing that speed off the edge. And what did he do? He ran a 4-4-2 at the scouting combine. Had 44 pressures in the SEC last year, nine hits on the QB, 13 sacks, which was second in the uh, in the conference. And so he's just a, a, a beast off the edge, and he can defend the run just as well as he can rush the passer. And so, man, if you're a Redskins fan, that's a trio to be excited about because I think Payne and Allen are only going to continue to get better the more that they play together. And, man, picking those Bama guys, I know those guys have a reputation for getting hurt when they go to the NFL, but Washington has picked some really good ones up front there for their defense and so gosh that's that's a trio right there that if you're if you're looking to build from the trenches those guys are just they're just studs and they've got them all in the last three drafts those are three home run draft picks in my opinion all right so sarah takes the defensive line from washington uh for the best young trio i like the pick man um definitely like the two alabama boys uh thought Allen really kind of grew into his own there in the second half of the season last year uh, in his rookie campaign. So we'll see what Montez Sweat does this year. I'm not concerned with the heart issue, uh, whatever was, you know, relayed information-wise that caused him to drop. Um, I don't know if you have any concerns about a Sarah, mm-hmm. but he's played with it this long uh, up until this point, so I, I, it's not a concern for me. Uh, we'll see what he does this year, though. Uh, let's move into our best offense category, Sarah. I'll let you start off, man. Who has the best offense in the NFC East? I think you touched on it a little bit before, but I think it's got to be the Philadelphia Eagles here. I think that the Dallas Cowboys have probably the best running game in the NFC East, but if you look at this this unit as a whole, I mean, Carson Wentz just has an embarrassment of riches to get the ball to. When when J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I know wasn't your favorite guy in the draft process, but when he's your wide receiver four, I mean, you're doing pretty good for yourself out there. And when Andre Dillard is your backup left tackle, you're doing pretty good for yourself. And when Dallas Goddard, you're deep. You are deep. And when Dallas Goddard is your tight end two, I mean, if I don't know if you know this, but the top – let's say the top 16 tight ends in the NFL, if you go look them up by salary figure, okay, it's not a good list. It's just not a good era for tight ends in the NFL. And when you have a guy like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard as your tight end position, and you just got rid of Trey Burton last year, these guys, I don't, I don't know where, they, where they're coming up with this stuff, but, man, they are doing an excellent job of drafting and developing offensive talent. I mean, we saw when Nick Foles had to come in and literally win the Super Bowl for them. They had so many weapons offensively that he was able to get that done. And their offensive line is as good as it comes. And when they're fully healthy, which they haven't always been over the last couple of years, I'm pretty sure they won the Super Bowl with 
Halapulavati Vaitai as the left tackle. These guys get it done. And so I just love what they have all at, at every spot here, at, even running back. I mean, Miles Sanders, I think, is going to be an underrated player. Corey Clement was really good at Wisconsin. Can't believe he went undrafted. And he's their, their running back three or four. And so and then Jordan Howard coming in via the trade. That's a that's a great pickup for them. So they've got to be, in, in my opinion, the best offense in the division. Yeah, I think we totally agree here, Sarah. I find it really, really hard to believe that Kellen Moore is some kind of offensive genius. And until he proves otherwise, I think it's reasonable to doubt, you know, whatever really comes out of Dallas and whatever they put on the field offensively. I really like what Doug Peterson does in terms of schematic principles. And I think he's the best play caller in the division. Uh, And that's pretty simply put. That's not a shot at Jay Gruden or the ginger in Dallas, but whatever Pat Shermer uh, and Mike Shula got cooking up in New York probably won't set the woods on fire either. Uh, so for all those reasons, man, I think it's kind of just, you know, a pick of the litter here, literally. Doug Peterson's just a, uh, you know, a shining star amongst some really dim ones at, at this point. Like I said, Kellen Moore might come out and be, you know, the next offensive genius, might invent the new East Coast offense uh, mm-hmm. to counterbalance the West Coast. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. So that's my best offense. I think we both agree there. It's Philadelphia. Now, as for the best defense, um, you know, I think Dallas will have the best defense in this division this season. Um, I really do think Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are out of this world football players. Uh, and that guy, Sean Lee, is still pretty good, Sarah, uh, even when he pops a hammy in week seven. Uh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's really going to be okay because the two youngins uh, will just take over as they did last season. We already talked about Byron Jones at corner tonight. Uh, we both ranting and raving about how we like that. Um, and let's talk about the D-line a little bit. You hit on it earlier. Demarcus Lawrence, man, he's really truly coming into his form uh, as a pass rusher in the NFL, one of the highest-paid pass rushers in the NFL. You mentioned the trade for Robert Quinn. I think that's a big pickup. And I'm expecting the breakout year from Taco Charlton um, because he's got all the tools in the world, man. Mm -hmm. I just want to see him put it together. Um, So I really like what they have on defense over there in Dallas. Um, Do you agree, is the Dallas Cowboy defense the best in the NFC East, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are. I think I think maybe Washington has a chance to creep into that discussion, but yeah. Just with their front seven, I mean, their their secondary with Landon Collins got better. We'll see if Josh Norman can can play at a high level. Still, I know he's getting a little bit older here, but yeah, Dallas has the class of the division here. They've got guys who can beat you on the inside. They've got guys who can beat you off the edge. They created turnovers last year. They were that says they were ranked eighth in the league in in interceptions with. Uh, Let's see here. No, excuse me. That's not a that's a that's not a fact actually. They had 9 interceptions last year which ranked 26th in the NFL, so not good. But I think they've got guys who can take the ball away. They can create turnovers a variety of different ways. And I think that this year, with their pass rush improved, hopefully with Robert Quinn on one side and Demarcus Lawrence on the other, I think you'll see an increase in the interceptions this year. And if they can get that offensive ball more, man, that's going to be devastating to opposing teams. But, yeah, I think that Dallas is definitely the class of this division as far as defense goes. And uh, let's see if they can repeat. I mean, they've got a title to uphold. They were sixth in the NFL last year in points allowed. So let's see if they can do it again. Yeah, I think one thing that's fascinating about this division um, in general that we really haven't hit on tonight, I mean, we've talked about them a little bit, but I think you've got three of probably, let's say, the top ten offensive lines in all of professional Mm. football within this division 
Um, I would rank them Eagles one, Dallas two, and then obviously Washington three. Um, not in that specific order across the NFL, but that's where they are in terms of their division, and they're all within the top ten, I believe, um, in the NFL. Probably Washington rounding out the bottom of that list. Sarah, do you feel the same? Um, do you think as highly of Washington's offensive line as I do? I know they run the football incredibly well uh, there for Jay Gruden's offense. Absolutely, absolutely. Two of the best bookend tackles in the league and Morgan Moses and Trent Williams. I mean, those guys are just stone walls, especially in the passing game. But then you have Brandon Sheriff, my guy, the right guard out of Iowa, the Hawkeye, baby. That guy's been playing at a high, high level. Y'all, I just want to point out, I wonder if the listener just hears the just amount of juice coming from you mm. right there when you get to talk about your Iowa Hawkeyes, man. You know. I, just, I can see the smile on your face uh, through the audio. I can, just see, I can hear the smile. Oh, yeah. I can feel it, man. I can feel that positive energy coming. Sheriff is a good player. He's a really good player. Uh, and then, dude, Chase Rulier, I think I'm saying that name right. Dude comes out of nowhere, six-round pick out of Wyoming in 2017. He looks like a looks like a long-time starter at the center spot in the NFL. So, yeah, man, and Eric Flowers, I mean, he has no choice but to succeed next to Trent Williams. And so it's, gonna, it's, a, it's a good old line there in Washington, and that's big, big news for Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I mean, he's not a very mobile quarterback um, there in Washington. Uh, a, a prototypical pocket passer, so they better keep him upright mm-hmm. and better keep him protected. But while we're talking about quarterbacks, let's get into our final superlative of the night, our fifth and final superlative. Best quarterback in the division. Uh, I think it's another two-man race at this point. Eli's getting a little old. Dwayne Haskins uh, and uh, Daniel Jones are obviously still very, very young. Um, so it's a pick and choose between Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, in my opinion, Sarah, I believe you're in the same boat. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought you were going to say maybe that the, the best quarterback is a two-man race between Daniel Jones and Eli Manning, but I see we're going a different direction here. <laughs> I, mean, I can try to do stand-up here on the show, but I don't think my jokes are very funny. I don't know if you um, could, you could sense no, my I, smile through the microphone, but you can't sense the sar- you can sense the sarcasm, too. So we're good. We're good on the emotive yeah, we're talking. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've got this figured out about twenty or about fifteen episodes in at this point. Um, but what I did, Sarah, was I ran to the uh, Football Reference site, which is a wonderful site, by the way. They got this player comparison thing. Uh, you can export the data, uh, send it right to an Excel sheet, which for us nerds is pretty fun. Both of these guys obviously drafted in the 2016 NFL Draft. Wentz obviously went second there to Philadelphia. Dak goes in the third round, pick one thirty-five. Now. Sarah, I, I guess, you know, they always do this on TV. It's much, much easier on radio. It plays pretty hard because stat radio is not very great. Mm-hmm. But quarterback A, let's do, uh, let's do completion percentage, touchdown to interception, and what else do you want? You want yards? You want total yards? Yeah, let's what do, you, do let's what are, give what me What are a couple stats? Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, give me some game-winning drives. You got game-winning drives on yards. there? Yards. I do not, mm, okay, but I know right. I know who wins that. We we know that's Dak, Dak, that's Dak Prescott. Oh, absolutely. I think, only, I think he's got the most since he's entered the league uh, in 2016. I think he's got like almost 20 uh, fourth quarter comebacks or something crazy like that. So we know the clutch factor goes to Dak Prescott. Let's just go ahead and put that in his category. So let's do these stat rundowns real quick. Completion percentage, quarterback A, 66.1. Quarterback B, 63.7. Total yards, quarterback A, 10,876. 
quarterback B, 10,152. Quarterback A, touchdown to interception ratio, 67 to 25. Quarterback B, touchdown to interception ratio, 70 to 28. Sarah, I ask you, who do you think quarterback A is and who do you think quarterback B is? Boy, I don't know. I think I'd be cheating here. I think I'd be cheating if I answered this question. Um, you know, well, you're the only one here to answer it, so pretend you don't know <laughs> and just give me a guess. <laughs> All right, I'm going to guess uh, that quarterback A is Dak Prescott. Okay, you would be correct. What fascinated <laughs> me, when I ran to these stats, Sarah, I expected Carson Wentz to completely blow him out of the water here. Yeah. And we look at the stat sheet, and though Dak Prescott's played more games, uh, 11 more, in fact, so we would expect more yardage. Uh, the yards per game obviously would go to Carson Wentz because he has 11 fewer starts uh, and just 700 fewer yards. Uh, the touchdowns per game would obviously go to Carson Wentz as well. So Carson Wentz, the more explosive quarterback, uh, he's put on more yards, more touchdowns per game. But when you go into the, you know, the important stats like, on, like are you available, are you available to your team on Sunday, Dak Prescott started 44 games uh, of his 48 in his career uh, and, and the completion percentage, man, I was fascinated by that uh, to find that, A, that they, they were that close, and, B, that Dak Prescott, you know, has the completion percentage title uh, here in this division between these two quarterbacks. Um, are you kind of fascinated or shocked that these numbers are as close as they are, um, or were you a believer of Dak Prescott uh, more than I? No, I was I was shocked. I mean, I remember seeing a graphic on ESPN or NFL Network the other day just comparing these two guys because obviously now we're talking about dollars and cents, right? Carson Wentz got the big contract that we discussed at length on another podcast that we did. And then Dak Prescott is out here still waiting for his. And everybody's kind of wondering, like, is he going to get as much or more or less money? And I think that it boils down to, hey, you look at these numbers, you look at what he's done. Uh, I don't see any playoff game logs for Carson Wentz just yet. And I don't say that as a slight to the Philadelphia Eagles, but like you mentioned, availability is huge. And while Wentz has him edged with 70 touchdown passes uh, and Prescott has, what, 67, Prescott has added, uh, let's see, 18 rushing touchdowns over the course of his career as well. And so, I mean, you add those 18 touchdowns in there, that puts him up over 80 total touchdowns. In fact, 85 total touchdowns in the regular season. Plus, he's played pretty decent in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough for me to say really who's better because they both do different things so well. But I think this is going to be a year where these two guys really kind of maybe one of them maybe separates from the other. I don't think they'll necessarily be fighting neck and neck. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this either. Dak Prescott has a nickname according to the great pro football reference. It's the fortress. I never, never heard of that before. I have no idea what that even means, but the fortress is about to have a fortress of cash that he's going to be sitting on top of. And I think he's going to, if he propels the Dallas Cowboys, to any sort of success in the playoffs this year. Can you imagine if he won a Super Bowl in Dallas, how much money he would get paid? And so he should not take anything that they... A lot of Campbell's they, Soup commercials. A lot of Campbell's Soup. A lot of Oikos, uh, Greek yogurt commercials. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's so tough to say because you have... There's so many different qualities for each guy that you love. But both guys got that it factor that we talked about, right? They both got the it factor. 
I love what these guys bring to the table as far as intangibles leading their team. I think that the Eagles could have still won the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz as their QB. I mean, he he was the MVP that year basically until he went down with injury. And so I don't want to slight him too much. I know he's, his injuries have limited his statistical production and the ability to, to but he was he was almost 70% completion percentage last year when he went down. And so my goodness, I mean, there's nothing wrong with either guy here, but I I I don't know. Right now I'm tending to lean a little bit towards Dak Prescott. Really? I, a little bit. I, I mean, like I said, I was absolutely floored uh, to see the stats were as close as they were, um, especially, again, the completion percentage, man. That's a major key uh, for a guy who I used to, you know, I crack on because I, I, I claim that Dak Prescott's not an accurate quarterback, at least with downfield throws and whatnot, um, and, and the stats prove it. Even his, his air yards per attempt are higher. Uh, than, you know, Carson Wentz. But we don't get, need to get too nerdy. Um, but to me, man, you can only rely on the stats so much. I tend to rely on my eye test a little bit more. The eye test for me is the it factor for you, Sarah. Uh, my eye test tells me that I should take Carson Wentz in this scenario, even with the injury issues and the injury concerns. I just think he has a much higher ceiling uh, at this point in their career. And, and again, we're, man, we're just three years in, uh, so we got a long way to go. For both of these young quarterbacks, hopefully we can see them for quite a long time uh, here in the near future. But we're 32 minutes in here, Sarah. Time to get some NFL East predictions, uh, or excuse me, NFC East predictions here. Uh, who you got first? We'll go with you, man. Um, give me the full rundown, I guess. Go one through four. Yeah. And give me some records as well. Yeah. Number one in this division, I got to go with the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that they can win. I think that they can win 12 games this year. I don't think that's out of the realm Ooh. of realism. I know that's lofty. That's lofty. But I think this is, like I said, this is the most complete team I've seen from them since since I was a kid, really. I mean, when I was collecting Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith you know, football cards. This is the this is the most complete team that they've had. And if Ezekiel Elliott can keep his head out of where it's not supposed to be off the field, I think that they're going to thrive. And I just love the weaponry that they have both sides of the ball. I think that they're going to be able to get it done. Second place, obviously, Philadelphia Eagles. Again, wouldn't surprise me if they won 11, 12 games. And so I think it's going to be a tight tight race I could see it going either way just because I think right now the, the Eagles have so many so many good players not only on offense but their defensive front is ridiculous they have so many guys there who can just beat you individually much less as a unit and so the one thing I'm concerned about with them is their second and third level of defense I mean they've just been a little too inconsistent for me over the past couple of years and so does, is the offense going to have to do more to overcome that? And if they do, how's the running game going to work with Jordan Howard and and Miles Sanders coming in? So I just think there's that just those little those little inches between these two teams that separate them. And I'm taking Philadelphia to win still a lot of games, 11, 12 games, but I think they're going to finish just behind Dallas. And in third place, I think we're going to see the Washington Redskins. I think their defense is good enough to carry them through a pretty decent season. I'll say I'll give them six wins, six or seven wins this year which ultimately I think it means is is going to end in Jay Gruden being fired, which is unfortunate because I think he's a pretty good coach, and now they've got a young quarterback to work with. Uh, but I, I think maybe maybe I shouldn't speak too soon on that because if, if Dwayne Haskins shows the type of promise that he's capable of, if he shows that he can work well in Jay Gruden's offense, I see no reason why they can't keep things going, even if they do win just six or seven games. But it's hard for rookie quarterbacks to win a lot of games in the NFL, especially – 
when you have a defense that's one or two injuries away from really being uh, just a you know kind of a mess. And Washington already lost Reuben Foster for the season, so I think that if 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 anything happens on the on the second or third level for them. They could be in a bit of trouble. And then fourth place, I, I think this is obvious. We haven't even really talked about them on the show except in jest. The New York Giants, I think you're looking at three to five wins for this team, and five is being really generous. I think this is just a, a, a mess of a team. Their their quarterback situation is a bit of a mess, and if Daniel Jones plays early, I mean, he wasn't necessarily elevating Duke to a lot of wins, so what's he going to do in the NFL with a poor roster around him? They traded their best offensive weapon in Odell Beckham Jr., uh, but Saquon Barkley is a pretty good player, so I think he can. I think he alone accounts for a couple of wins because he's just such a dynamic threat with the ball in his hands. But defensively, there's just not a lot there for me to like. I did. I was looking at their roster the other day. I think they have an interesting foundation there in the defensive backfield. So many jokes have been made about the Giants this year that people tend to forget they've been replacing a lot of these guys that they're losing with actual players. And so I was looking at their their roster and. This is an interesting little group right here. Just let me give you some names in the secondary for the Giants. Obviously, they trade for Jabril Peppers from Cleveland. He was playing some pretty good football. Obviously, to be one of the centerpieces of that trade for Odell, you got to be playing pretty well. And so I think that Jabril Peppers on the back end at safety is an interesting guy. They draft Sam Beal last year around this time in the supplemental draft and he missed his rookie year with that shoulder injury and he's back and apparently playing really well in practices so we'll see how that goes but then they spent a first rounder this year on DeAndre Baker who's a pretty good pretty darn good player out there on the outside at cornerback go dogs go dogs you you know you know how DeAndre Baker plays and and what he's capable of doing shutting down the outside but then they got a fourth-round pick, Julian Love, out of Notre Dame. A very underrated player, I think. Um, analytics loved that guy coming out of college. And so the Giants at least have something they can hang their hats on this year. And hopefully, for their for their sake, Daniel Jones plays pretty well when he's given the opportunity. But the cupboard's just a little too bare for them, for me to pick any more than five wins. I think that's being a little generous. All right, that's all fair. Uh, you know, I think we have a, a little bit of a disagreement here at the top. We agree at the bottom, okay? Um, you said this the top of this division was, you know, separated by a couple of inches. I've got it separated by a couple of centimeters, Sarah. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys both finish at 10-6 and six this season with the Eagles winning the tiebreaker here. Um, so they'll, you know, get the top seed and whatnot. Uh, the Cowboys, they're fighting for a divisional, uh, you know, excuse me, a wild card playoff berth. Both teams, like I said, at 10-6. and six. Again, man, both teams have to play New England this year. Uh, I pretty much chopped that up for a loss for everyone in this division um, and whatnot. So, And the Redskins, man, they're always guaranteed uh, to pick one of these teams off late in the season. I feel like, you know, a Week 17 matchup of, against Philadelphia, for example, uh, you know, and always a late matchup there against the Cowboys. They always seem to win a game that they absolutely have no business of winning there late in the season. Um, and honestly, it, it almost nine times out of ten hurts them uh, in terms of their draft stock anyways. It never seems to make any sense. But they're a scrappy football team always. Um, so I have them third there at six and ten. Like you mentioned, man, I think it's going to be a kind of a rough season there for Washington. Uh, just kind of until Dwayne Haskins gets his feet wet uh, whatnot. I know you have Case Keenum there. Uh, and I believe Colt McCoy is probably going to be close to healthy 
there at the start of the season as well. So whoever they start at quarterback, uh, we're led to believe Dwayne Haskins is going to get a shot there to compete for QB1. So if they are starting the rookie, I think it's a, you know, a tough season throughout the season, even with that defense who, like you said, man, they're another catastrophic injury away from just probably tucking it in for the season similar to what the Atlanta Falcons defense did last season. Um, and then, you know, at the bottom of the division, like you had it as well, I've got the New York Giants there, and I gave them 5-11. and 11. Um, You know, similar to you, man, I think Saquon Barkley alone is worth, you know, maybe let's call three wins alone by himself because, you know, there's going to be a couple games where he rushes for damn near 250 yards, <laughs> and it seems like the New York Giants are on the field the entire game. Uh, so you're going to have – I, I guarantee you're going to have two games this season where Saquon Barkley gets 30, 35 touches – and has 250 all-purpose yards, uh, and the Dallas Cowboys have possession for 37 minutes of a football game, and they win it 21-14. to 14. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the only way I see the New York Giants winning football games this year. Uh, got an early, you know, a game they could potentially win down there in Tampa, but outside of that, uh, you know, like we had, we had both of them anywhere from three to five wins. I think that's how it shakes out there. Um, but like you said, man, t- tough competition here at the top of the NFC East, as we, you know, have come to expect pretty much perennial in or perennially uh, in this division. You hate to see it, Sarah. Uh, what do you to got see for it. the folks? You hate to see it, man. I'm going back to the NBA talk, as I have been for a number of these. But the New York Knicks, man, you hate to see it. Not Zion, not KD, not Kyrie, nobody. You got Bobby Portis. You got Wayne Ellington. You failed free agency. And then... Not only did you fail free agency, but then you told your fans you weren't even interested in KD in the first place. That's the Ugh. that's the that's the classic. That's the classic. You can't not uh, you can't fail to sign him if you if you never wanted to sign him in the first place, right? I mean, it's a classic case of just the the general manager, the front office, just just totally taking that L publicly. And so, man, you really hate to see it if you're the Knicks. And to add insult to injury. Those two guys, those two star players, KD and Kyrie, they sign in Brooklyn. They sign with the Brooklyn Nets. I just, I, man, you hate to see it. And I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, but I mean, the dark days for us are there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no light for the Knicks. You hate to see no, it. No, there never is. Uh, and it's a big cloud hung over them by uh, James Dolan. Um, but you hate to see it, man, when your co-host steals your you hate to see it segment for the <laughs> night um, and totally steals your next story. But off the top of my head, man, uh, you hate to see it. Kawhi Leonard holding basically three teams hostage uh, at this point in NBA free agency as we record this tonight uh, at 11 o'clock Eastern time here uh, on July 1st. Kawhi Leonard has not made his decision, which for two, you know, one team that inevitably gets him, that's great. That's all fine and dandy. He plugs and plays uh, in whatever max slot you've got for him. But those other two teams, whether it's Toronto or the Clippers or the Lakers, the teams that don't get him, man, who do they go spend that cap money on? I don't really know what they go do. I guess if you're like the Lakers, uh, you know, you call up Lance Stevenson, ask him to run it back. You see if JaVale McGee wants to run it back for, you know, maybe go throw $25 million for one season at Boogie Cousins. But you hate to see it, man. Kawhi Leonard completely holding three teams hostage um, here and just kind of delaying his, you know, this week's going to be all about Kawhi Leonard. It's going to be the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe he began his meetings 
uh, today. So you hate to yep. see it, A, when your partner steals your topic, <laughs> uh, and B, when a guy holds two cities uh, completely hostage. Two cities and three teams. Uh, one damnation uh, up there in wow, Toronto. Wow. So that is our show for tonight here on the NFL Mox Podcast. Sarah, send the folks out, brother. I, I mean, I just got to throw this in here. You know what Kawhi is probably saying right now? What? <laughs> that's, Dude, you got what, a pretty good I know. Kawhi winter laugh. Let's try, let's try this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing that all year ever since, I, ever since I heard him. I just love it. I can't get enough of it. So sorry for those of you who thought that was cheesy, but you know what? It's hilarious. So... Let's have let's let's Dude, lighten up a little it. bit. I, I honestly, you know what? Let's give him dead air. Let's hear it one more time, sir. <laughs> I, I can't do. I can't really do it without laughing myself. But man, that was one of the greatest oh, things ever. Funny. It was like a robot man learned how to laugh for the very <laughs> very first time, and uh, and he just <laughs> he just got it out the way the only way that he could do it. So man, I'm cheesing out here, but. Uh, shoot, thank you all for listening. If you stuck around this far, you got to hear my Kawhi Leonard laugh impression. You got to hear all about how bad the New York Giants are. And you also got to hear a little anecdote about the Washington Redskins defensive front seven, which I thought was a pretty good improv, as well as Brooks's. Uh, Brooks and I just having total telepathy or whatever you call it throughout the day, thinking about how awful the New York Knicks are, thinking about how you just hate to see it. I think that's that's pretty much what everyone's thinking. So if you stuck around this long, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you're welcome. But we love you guys, and um, <laughs> just wanna just wanna ask you if you, if you would, it really helps us out for you to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you got the time to do. We really appreciate that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker wherever you're listening we thank you for that and just ask that if you would do that that really helps us out a lot helps us get better placement and helps spread the word about the nfl mocks podcast uh, i know i know brooks has got a got a big future in this industry so we need to get the word out but thank you all for listening we really appreciate it kind words from a kind man uh we will see you guys probably i would say next monday sir uh unless you want to hop on here on a july 4th podcast mm. thursday night um I think I'm going to go on a hard pass on that one, buddy. You enjoy your weekend. I'll give it. I'll give you the weekend off. How's that sound? Hey, boss? hey, that sounds good. I, and hey, no, you're the boss, man. You tell me, so I'm good with it. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you guys next week. Say, have a good one. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.